2: welcome to the four corners podcast with lenny marcus joining me today as always is my co-host neil working hard potter (laughs) put
1: some gravy on that four
2: topics 15 minutes each just killing time kill it with us our gmail facebook twitter instagram is the number four c podcast subscribe on itunes Listen to us on the Laugh Button Network, thelaughbutton.com. Today's guest is a man with many interests. I think it's safe to say first and foremost that he is a lover of the game of basketball. I mean, he actually wrote a book called Basketball, A Love Story. He's also has a second book called Pacific Rims about basketball in the Philippines, as well as a 12-part docuseries on CNN about basketball in the Philippines. He's a contributing writer to huge sports websites like grantland and the athletic but his latest endeavor is a book entitled two and two about mcsorley's a famous bar here in new york city since 1854 um about him and his dad who has been tending bar there for over 45 years uh we got a lot to talk about wow it's rafe bartholomew what's up rafe, rafe thank you so much for what's doing up? this thank you. i thank don't you, thank you so it's Crazy. Where do I begin? Yeah, um, you have the dream life for God's sakes. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I don't. Know. It seems sounds busy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you? Yeah. I'm guessing you're Irish from the bar. Is your dad first generation? Did he come over here or?
0: So that's the funny thing. Uh, I am only a quarter Irish on my mother's side. My father is from like a generation of New York uh, of McSorley's bartenders uh, who came in before the. The current owning family had bought the place in 1979. He started in 1972. So my dad is just from Ohio. He moved to New York after (laughs) college and, you know, went to the Peace Corps and lived above the bar. And that's how he ended up working there. Um, And he also actually drank at McSorley's his first night in New York City, Uh, which is sort of unrelated to anything, but uh, turned into some kind of weird fate. But so (laughs) I'm only a quarter Irish and we are outside of like, I have a cousin who then married into the family. So I guess I'm oh, wow. sort of family now, but we've always been sort of right on the, uh, on the, the pe- it's nice to have workers outside of the family as well as inside. I guess
2: Right. Wow. Even more, uh, even more interesting. Like he's not actually, <laughs> you would think everybody was there, had an Irish accent or it's such a, uh, we'll get to the in a little while. You're obviously a city kid, you know, Neil, uh, and you're both, uh, yeah, Hunter I've High Ray School for, people. I known Ray for a while. Yeah. And so did you grow up in Manhattan or did you grow up in Queens like where like you, in relation you must have grown up in Manhattan I would think.
0: Right. Yeah, cuz of the bar. Um my yeah, we we we, we you know, we were like uh, first living in the East Village and the wood, then 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 moved across town to like uh I guess what real estate has now termed Hudson Square, you know. Uh, um uh, born nice. in 1982. So Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's weird. The, the, that neighborhood was empty for most of my childhood, and now feels like something out of The Hunger Games to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, the nice parts of The Hunger Games. Um, and um, but. Yeah, so I grew up down there. Um I remember getting into, you know, Hunter High School. Um my mother ran to my elementary school and like just like started hugging me because it was like we used to getting in saved them so much trouble trying to figure out what to do with me.
2: Oh, uh, that's funny.
1: Well, yeah. now when you go when you go there, I mean obviously you're playing basketball and stuff, but are you already thinking about writing and all this in high school? Are you is this a college thing? Like where it comes uh, to where does it a come college to, thing? Okay.
0: I uh, especially, I, I I didn't really t- take writing too seriously. I was uh, super focused on basketball when I was young. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. especially, I mean, I hate to say this in, in, in the sport, I probably peaked around you know twelve or thirteen. That was when <laughs> I was you know seventh and eighth grade. I was playing with um, you know a, a traveling team out of the Carmine Recreation Center. We had. Uh, you know, my teammates were like Smush Parker, a guy named Dick Gavin, who was all city as a in my, our senior year, um, and spent a couple of years at you know at St. Anthony's when they were like you know uh, among the, the the top schools in the country. Anyway, like I and we were playing like you know Omar Cook's teams on Queens and stuff, so oh, wow. we thought we were I, I, you know, and I, I was a starter on that team. I didn't realize that didn't mean anything at the time. <laughs> um, in any case for a lot of those years I thought, you know, man, you know, I'm going to go to six, eight, I will be Chris Weber. Um, <laughs> and those things didn't quite happen. So, but I was very focused on the sport in my, uh, my adolescent brain. Um, and then throughout high school, I think I, I, I start, I guess the writing crept in a little bit just because I thought I was funny and started writing pretty offensive columns and under newspapers. <laughs> and, uh, and that there was enough inkling of promise in there to get into, um, northwestern for journalism school uh and that was sort of my best option and i was like hey whatever let's go check it out
2: did you try and walk on or anything at northwestern
0: um i thought about it when i went out there and i had you know i like i remember playing senior year at hunter in the exposure games the psal exposure games and did pretty well um and was you know had interest from you know d3 schools um, but it, it, i just I visited some of them and it felt so small and like filled with other kids from Hunter and it just felt like <laughs> what I, I you know, I don't know, it felt like I I should do something different. I ended up being miserable my first year for trying that, but it worked out over time. But no, I think um the, the trying to walk on it it was pretty clear early on that that was just not a fun life that, that is like, they, you know, you have to work as hard or harder than all the other players. You have to, you're, it is incumbent upon you to keep the, the cumulative grade point average up for everyone. <laughs> That's your main goal. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it didn't seem like a lot of fun. I, 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 I don't think I, the guy who, the guy who did walk on, yeah, he was better than me. Later on, there were guys who walked on who I don't think were better than me, but it was never totally about that, you know. It was always like, like the DePaul coach's son ends up at Northwestern and he's getting the walk-on spot, um, which is fine. He wanted it, like, like by the I, I think playing ball in college for like the club team and just playing pickup, literally, I played. I think I counted 94 days in a row once in college, oh and that that sort of made me uh, it kind of made. He loved the game in a much different way in a way that probably probably being a walk-on would have destroyed it you know yeah. whatever love I had for the game um, so I'm happy I didn't do it are
2: you uh are you a guard
0: but now I am uh, and I was <laughs> by the time I got to college uh, you know I started off uh with you know sort of a sort of like a six three banger uh you know especially in ninth grade I was pretty I was still a little bit heavy from when oh, I was wow. a kid. Um, and then slowly moved my game out, uh, throughout high school. And then in college was able to, you know, sort of pass as a, I was able to defend guards well and, and, you know, sort of like sort of an Eric Snow type guard. I'm mm-hmm. giving heaping the praise on myself here. Uh, um, but, how, um, how tall are you? Yeah. Six, like six, three.
2: Oh, Okay basic guard yeah it's so funny 63 is like a guard in the pro you know <laughs> like it's the tallest guy i play with on any basketball court right i
1: know it's like but in the nba it's like nothing it's like 63s yeah it doesn't get you anywhere
2: yeah i mean okay so then so you go to college and you get a journalism degree i'm guessing and yep. and um
1: yeah what's what's then, the pressure of northwestern journal now do you, now the pressure is to write right cuz all these crazy writers come from northwestern is that right?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was no, it was, it was difficult because I didn't really know what I was getting into. It was just sort of like, hey, this is a good school. It's something. I, the thing I liked most about it, the reason I chose to go there, was I did I, I didn't know anything about Chicago or the Midwest, and it just felt different, uh, and, and I wanted to try that. So it was, and and you get into this journalism school and start meeting people who, uh, you know, since first grade have been filling out little. Worksheet saying like, when I grow up, I'm going to be editor in chief of the New York Times <laughs> or whatever. Or you know, the, the you know, I am going to be Michael Wilbon On uh, yeah. the end. So Mike I, Nichols, I, that, that, I mean, that side of it was intimidating.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Mike, so well, all the entertainment people too, Mike Nichols, Nichols and May. All oh, of, they're Everyone in went to North, so many people will go to Northwestern.
2: Um, yeah. What about? Um, so you get out of there, and now the competition's fierce. I would guess to get a job in something. So how did you land? Obviously, you have the sports background. So you st- what did you do after school, and then how did you land at like athletic and grantland
0: yeah, well, so I have a, a, one of these weird impossible to replicate careers um immediately after college i um i I went to the Philippines and lived there for three years uh first on uh like a government research scholarship for a year, and then ended up sticking around because it was en- enough money to to live off of for another year and plus I would come back and work at mcSorley's. Uh, Over the holidays, to sort of pile up a little bit of cash to pay, you know, often, often in three weeks over the holidays, I could make about six months of rent in the Philippines, you know, from from the bar. Um, So I stayed out there and and was that was when I was researching and working on that book about Philippine basketball. And that turned into a whole other side of my life where, you know, I I, I go back every year almost um, have. Godchildren children out there no no um, no 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 biological children um <laughs> people tend to ask right. um um and uh and you know as like you mentioned earlier uh got to work on tv shows out there and, and all kinds of it's just this other side of my life and, and that book is what got the attention of uh someone i ended up working with at grantland later so uh well i moved back to the states basically in 2009 and uh Interned at Harper's Magazine, um, and then worked there for about a year and a half, and then I was planning on moving back to Manila full time after that. But it was right when Grantland was coming along, and and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I got a call and they're like, "Hey, do you want to go work on this Bill Simmons thing?" And I was like, "Uh, yes." Um, so it was oh, really man. just um, kind of having had a weird career that someone had noticed, and and it happened they that was back in the beginning when grantland hired a lot of weird people at the beginning (laughs) uh and then it got a lot more professional (laughs) over time uh, and i sort of saw both sides of it but a lot of the early hires were people who had um, unorthodox backgrounds or hadn't been in media you know uh working at newspapers and magazines or espn for a long time
1: yet and so so, I think we're going to talk about we will. Philippines we'll in a minute. second, but yeah. that's such a, that's a big part. Now, have you ever, I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but you never went there full time. Like, you never said, okay, that's it, I'm gone, I'm moving to Manila for the rest of my life.
0: I mean, I I, I said it in my head, you know, a hundred times. It's just, it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, there yeah. are legal obstacles, you know, like I would have to, you know, I would either have to get married there, or, that's really the only way. Or Did you meet a girl a, over a there? Act. Um, I mean, I, I, I you know I, I dated, um, but I I did no one I ended up like marrying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I, you know, I I mean, if it, if, it, if it's interesting to anyone, I found dating in the country un, kind of pretty difficult because, um, and people are gonna laugh or I don't know. I think I'm a <laughs> lunatic over this, but like, there is a mixture of sort of, you know, like just. Because of the colonial history, the country was, you know, a Spanish colony for 300 years, and an American colony for the first half of the 20th century. There is this, um, you know, like like this. You 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 all I felt <laughs> objectified in some ways. Kind of like uh. this white tall white guy. It just. I know there are a lot of uh, Western men go there and love that for reasons. I think we can understand yeah. to me, it just felt kind of disgusting. Like I was taking <laughs> advantage of this weird situation. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. It kind of came into, it kind of came into uh crystallized one time when I was like, I'm a, I was like, I'm, I, you know, I asked this girl out, we were having coffee and, you know, it's at like a, a Starbucks place. And, The way you're supposed to put your name on, you know, what they ask what your name is when you order. She said, Ice. I was like, that's not your name. And he he was like, oh, yeah, it's my nickname because my friends growing up called me Ice because I loved Vanilla Ice so much. (laughs) <laughs> and I, it's just, like, in my head, I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to be this woman's vanilla ice. Yeah. I, there's, there's no way the, the, well, that baby fantasy comes to life uh, you're, um, the, like, you're, you're like the, a movie star. He's the like,
2: fetish. Yeah, you're the fetish. That's, that's funny. <laughs> you, oh, my God. You can't find a real person. You're like, oh, man, we should yes. all move there. Yeah, let, I'd let like he, to be a fetish for an hour. Don't tell Gina, let he's
1: moving tomorrow. Yeah, moving tomorrow. <laughs> well,
2: what what was the original? I got a minute left in this segment. What was... I have two questions, to. What was the... Allure of the Philippines to begin with. Why there? You're New York kid, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, the Philippines. What was the Allure?
0: Basketball. It was basketball. So I, and this, if this was like 2005, before you could look stuff up easily on the internet like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was a chapter in a book that describes how crazy basketball in the Philippines is. It's the country where basketball means more to more people. I mean, it it is, it penetrates life at every level and everyone, almost everyone knows how to play uh, at a pretty high level. And uh, I, I, when I first read about it, it just blew my mind like there was this country on the other side of the world that um, we don't learn a whole lot about in your standard U S you know, even college education. And It had, it was supposedly people love basketball there more than anywhere else. That was kind of like the research topic that I wanted to go out there and learn about.
2: All right, let's move on to the second segment. Perfect segue. Um, Let's talk about basketball. So, okay. You're going to go to the Philippines, and like you said, they play it at a high level. How is that possible? I saw your book. They play in flip-flops, and they're all 5'2". How are they playing at a high level? There's no way. I haven't played in forever. I'm 50 years old. There's no way some little Filipino kid takes me out. No chance. He, uh, he, he grew I up mean, with this? I think
0: high skill level is kind of the, the the important distinction there. Height has always been a problem for the Philippines at the international level. That's why despite this, this deep cultural tie to the sport, it doesn't, it hasn't in the last, you know, a hundred years really been a major player in, in world championships or FIBA or the Olympics and stuff like that.
2: Wait, so everybody's Um, Seth Curry. They all got crazy handles there. They're dribbling through their, their, I'm dealing with Curly Neal. He's going to dribble around (laughs) me like a lunatic.
0: There is a good chance. Yeah. On top of that, really, the thing you would find if you just walked onto a onto a court yeah. and started playing, you would got, have guys hitting you with the craziest circus layup that you've ever seen, <laughs> and you would be. This is because I went through this. I, yeah. I thought, oh, you know, this guy's taking a terrible shot. I don't have to worry about this at all. Right. Except that you know, there they're, to them, those are just normal layups. It's sort of like the the <laughs> rather because not a lot of players are tall enough to you know, finish at the rim or above the rim they are incredible at using spin yeah. putting English yeah. on the yeah. ball shooting <laughs> uh, weird release points shooting you know using, jumping off the wrong foot doing every kind of weird trick that you see NBA players now wow do like sort of learning right that that, that stuff has been going on in the Philippines for de- for generations um but, and yeah so that, that's, that's kinda, the, you, you you look stupid
1: <laughs> that's the part I see in a movie like when I read your book yeah, that's the part spins. I'm like holy shit this is like the greatest movie scene ever that is of you of them just taking it to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like in this weird flip-flop way. But that was my favorite part of the book, though, that, that you capture that so... Because we all, me and Lenny, I mean, we both grew up playing so much basketball that and you, the older you get, you lose that feeling of just walking to a strange yeah. court yeah. and playing and pickup and like making your way in this world oh, just through basketball. It's such a cool feeling. Yeah, I, read, I miss that feeling. On That's the, what,
2: in the book, you said, if you just pulled, go to any empty court and pull out a ball and start dribbling, then 10 guys just show up immediately.
0: Yeah, it's like the Pied Piper. I mean, it is. It, you know, it, you either have to. If you wanted to shoot alone, you have to go. At and it's not. And it's funny. People come out and play early in the morning because it's cool. The only time you can get like solo court time to to work on your game or something is is like. New high noon, the hottest part of the day when people are just like, no, nah, forget this. It's too hot. Like, so how these guys? How these guys? How these guys
2: getting good? You know, like how are they learning those spins? They got them all in their in their backyards or something. You know what I mean? Like it's
0: constant playing. I mean, it's like it's it like a, a constant game of twenty one throughout the country, almost at any time when it's when when you know anytime people ha- can get to the court. You know, outside of work or you know if they're young. Then they can play whenever, uh, but it's it's basically always playing pickup, always playing you know little games with each other. So and obviously at the higher levels, guys figure out ways to work on their games alone and in practice situations. But uh, generally, it's just the kids, you know, it's a trial and error, and a lot of that's one of the fun things to to to, to notice when you go play at, at like the grassroots level. A lot of great shot making, a lot of bizarre shot making, like so. <laughs> That you know you would never learn in a basketball camp because it is not it is not textbook basketball, but it is very effective.
2: So how come any how come we can't get a little guy out of there? I mean, Muggsy Bogues made it to the NBA. There's got to be one guy who's got to be young and can do all this stuff. And you know, you take him out of like he's never you know like the um, Akeem Olajuwon of the Philippines, but small. Um, anybody yeah, like mean, that people,
0: coming? It's. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Muggsy. There was, there's a, a I mean, a pr- I've reported it out. <laughs> um, uh, there was a player yeah, who, was, who was five foot five, uh, Johnny Abarientos, who was like one of, pro- uh, arguably the best point guard in the, the history of the sport there. And he was playing in the 90s. And there was a rumor, you know, that, and the rumor, I mean, it, it was true that the Hornets, during a period when Muggsy was injured, had looked at Johnny as someone to bring over and step in for him because they thought he could sort of be a, a perfect fit for what what Bogues was doing. Right. Um, it didn't come together for, for a million reasons, and who really knows? Oh, well, they had but, no shoes. You know, that was the closest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thing. Nike did want like, to do the, flip the, flops. The, yeah. the, <laughs> the PTA does play with uh, sneakers. In most uh, okay. okay. Um, That's. Um, but uh, in terms of like a smaller player making it, it could happen. The other the, so. The basketball culture there is so strong and there's so much, you know, the, like you know, it's not a rich country, but there are rich people in it and mm-hmm. they control the basketball scene. Um, and basically if you are that good, if you're like a prodigy there, um, kind of like large business interests are, are going to have their hooks into a player very, very early in their lives. And it'll be hard for them to leave sort of being – you know the mvp of a country a national hero to come be a 10th or 11th man on an nba bench yeah <laughs>
1: what's that what's the what's the level of stardom when that that star player in the pro league there it's it's massive
2: like that they are th-
0: the, the among the like the most famous people in the country like similar like lebron level stardom for the country are they uh, making good money
2: globally. do they yeah. make money
0: yeah I'm, they so they pay monthly you, you get money by the month uh you know the contracts in the in basketball they you there are salary cap rules, but usually, you know, you hear that they are not always followed. Basically, they'll make the, the best-paid players make twenty twenty thousand dollars a month-ish, um, which is not a bad living.
2: Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, let me ask you this: Are these guys? What's their like demeanor on the court? Are these guys trash talkers, or uh, they're just very quiet assassins? How would you describe you
0: see them? See all types. Um, they're, you know, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty flashy game. It is, it is, it it has, it's always been highly influenced by American basketball because of that colonial connection because, you know, because America for, for much of the 20th century, you know, America had two giant air force, uh, giant air force and giant naval base in the country. And, you know, there would be, servicemen playing in the country as well and showing sort of what american style basketball was in the 70s and 80s um, and there were there've always been american players in the in the the professional league as imports okay so there you see a lot of like the ball handling the you know like the the attitude what do what do you associate with sort of uh, the the, the virtues
2: and the bad things of one-on-one NBA basketball show up. Do they, uh, two questions. One is, do they get the NBA over there? Obviously they must Mm -hmm. some on something TV somewhere and um, who are their favorites. And then two, how do they deal with, I guess it must be some tall Filipinos because a guy like you at six, three could just post them up and that's the end that they can't stop anybody. So I guess answer, Start with sure. that, technically. So, how are they going to guard anybody? There must be some taller ones, but, um, and then who do they love in the NBA?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, of course, there are the, at the professional level, like in the country, there are going to be men who are, um, you know, uh, very tall or, you know, not, not, not on average shorter than, like, you know, the, the Dutch population. But, you know, the PBA has always had players uh, who are, you know, uh, the, the, their big men range. It, traditionally, I would say like as short as of like six four, and as tall as you know six eight six nine. Uh, but there, for a long time, it was sort of a superstition that you didn't want, uh, at least a, a, for a, a local Filipino big man, to be um, to be too tall because because those guys were always stiff. It seems so they wanted they wanted like a good six six athletic big man for a long time. Now nutrition is better. Um, there is, there was a seven foot three kid named Kai Soto who was playing with the, the G League uh, Ignite team this year. Um, is off it now, and is going to play in Australia professionally. But he is kind of, sort of, maybe still an NBA prospect. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily bet okay. on it. But there are some, there are more big men now. There's more size, and also um, you will find guys who are only six two but have been guarding huge huge players their entire lives and have just you know all of the dirty tricks down low (laughs) and are very physical um it is um yeah they're they're not they know how to uh how how to how to sort of take your hands off with one swipe or i mean you know there's a lot especially american players there's a lot of trickery involved like guys will um they basically like, you know, grab your balls from behind while you have the ball <laughs> um, surreptitiously uh, so that, you know, it doesn't get called. And that, that, if you're not ready for that, that's gonna you're gonna turn the ball over. Is that do you
2: do you, do you, do you get that on the streets when you're playing with these guys yeah, yeah, you're yeah. and you're just playing in your basically yeah, pickup game because yeah, yeah. they're gonna have to do that to that's you, a, right? That's a different kind of pickup so, game. Yeah, so you got you you
1: just spent <laughs> yeah. years getting your balls yeah, like, grabbed. Yeah, like that's a different. That's a. That
0: is, what's funny is that like that's a, that, that is even a part of basketball culture is called like chancing, like you know, uh, like uh, touching someone you know by chance. Uh, but like, but not really by chance, you know. So every once in a while, there will be some guy in the neighborhood who, for whatever reason, the other macho guys are suspicious of. And you know, if he brushes, uh, brushes their nuts. They're like, "Oh,
1: dancing." <laughs> there's a name for it. That's there's funny. a name for it. That's okay, so wait. Funny. I'm going to ask a big All question. Right. So, and then I want to move on. Okay, to so when you go over there, you're writing this book. It's, it's. I know we talked about this. There's some, you know, doubts. Like, what am I doing over here? And then, when do you, re- when do you start realizing? Okay, or do you don't that just kind of happens in your life that's defining? It's starting to define like your life a little bit, like. This, not till you come back that this story is never going to go away? Or do you know it while you're writing it? Yeah, you get like a docu-series, so it's getting bigger
2: and bigger.
0: Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's a, I think I, I had a feeling very early. Like when I, I mean, I, the, the first moment probably would have been when I chose to stay on after the end of my, my research grant, right? I mean, like, I completed that. I gave my presentation uh, almost everyone who does that at that point in time In that program, okay, you say, this is great, thank you, I'm going home to go start my career doing whatever, and I I had it in my head that I really wanted to turn that story into a book, and wanted, and and to do so, needed to stay longer, because at that point, I had really just learned the basics, Um, and that was when, after that, I spent a year with uh, one of the pro teams there, you know, following their practices, and, and, and being in the locker room with them, and Really, uh, and then over time, that's when my pagalo got good and I, I became, you know, more fluent and could understand and, and kind of had a better grasp on other aspects of the culture and then was able to start sticking it all together. I think, um, I, I guess, it, you know, also because basketball is so beloved in the country, the fact that when the book came out and it, um, you know, uh, thankfully, uh, grateful that people thought I did a good job on it, um, it, it, you know, they gave me like some, some profile in the country, made people think of me, oh, that's that, you know, that's that cool American guy who speaks Tagalog and and knows about our basketball here. Mm. Um, And uh, so, so it definitely reinforced that and and they made me want to keep going back. But I think, you know, the the three years living there and, and all the sort of, I guess the people I, I, I've, I've met, uh, it, you know, I, I just I, I kind of had, to, had it in my head that I didn't want to be one of the uh, American grad students sort of who shows up, has a nice experience, and then forgets about everything.
1: And language-wise, you can work you go you know everything language-wise there.
0: Well, I mean, there there are eighty six distinct languages. So yeah,
1: yeah. No, uh,
0: but the the, the the language that is the basis for the national language, Tagalog okay. Filipino. Um, I speak that still. You know, like, like I'm. I, you wouldn't think that I'm a native speaker. You can tell the difference, but I, I understand well. Everything. I write pretty well. Oh, cool. Uh, it's high level. They would call it. They probably call it fluent in language. It's still not like you know. You would like you can tell the difference. I do make mistakes.
1: And you have your own place over there. Your own apartment.
0: I did. I, I lived in a townhouse for the the main three years. Uh, and, but you keep it. You was, keep
1: it now. You have it now, or no? No, no. I don't. Oh, when you, I go back, okay.
0: I usually just, I usually just uh, like Airbnb something. Oh, which, me, uh, Airbnb in the Philippines has made things so much easier. Like the first three or four years, I would go back. It was always a hassle to find someone who had an open apartment who was, you know, who could show it. Eh, eh, they didn't want they they want me to spend spend money for like six months. I'm like I'm only going to be here a month anyway. It was oh, <laughs> Airbnb cool. has made that much easier. I was just
1: double checking and maybe me and Lenny had like a place to stay. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to fill it. What is that like a 30 hour flight? No, I don't know how long's the flight.
0: Uh, about 19 from New York. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, nice. Okay, never mind. I'm out. No comedy clothes for Lenny.
2: No. Um. <laughs> All right, let me ask you some quick basketball questions since you're a Well, I mean, you did this book with. Dan Clores and Jackie McMullen, that's that's as high as it gets on the knowledge of basketball chain. Um fun working with them.
0: Oh yeah. I mean that 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 book was like um it felt like they dropped the dead sea scrolls of, of basketball on Jackie and I and right. said, pull out, you know, the, the pull out the Bible, pull out the holy parts. Um because it, <laughs> you know, it was basically came out of Clores was working on a documentary of the same name that came out on ESPN mm. and he had Oh God. I mean he had, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of hours of interviews with everybody from Bill Russell to LeBron to, you know, George Carl to whoever, and they they he wanted a book at the same time as the movie and and it was really based off of those transcripts. We did a little bit of extra reporting around them, but it was really like we just got to read this treasure trove of his basketball
2: history. All right, let me give you a basketball history question. I mean, Uh-oh. I'm pretty big. Well, I mean, not a. I'm not going to quiz you. I'm uh, asking you. At one you.
1: time in Lenny's life, there he thought maybe he could be like Dr. J. No, turned, that turned, was
2: my that, guy. He was little off. My guy, Dr. J. Yeah, <laughs> at one point in my life, I actually thought I was going to play. Uh, that's all I wanted to do is play basketball. But I think I peaked that at about twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Not even or maybe ten. Then I realized oh, I'm never. Some it hit me. I'm a small Jewish guy. Um. Then was over. But I want to ask you this question. So, in the history of basketball, is the fact that when Magic and Berg come into the league, this league just goes crazy? Like that is the turning point for the NBA to skyrocket it.
0: Um. Is I I think I mean obviously the timeline that coming off of that biggest game ever in college basketball right right? the the, you know the 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 seventy nine you know Indiana State Michigan State Um, it that that's as good a point to to start it as any I think that it still takes it it still doesn't happen without Michael Jordan without that sort of really going like him coming along. And, and captivating audiences around the world and becoming sort of like the most recognizable person on the planet in many ways, right, along with I guess Michael Jackson. Um, that that felt like it it took what Bird and Magic were already had already helped start in, in the eighties and then just blow it all up to like this what this this sort of yep. beast that it is today.
2: All right yep all right that's cool oh, that's i got good. a million more basketball questions but we got to move on because i get so basketball much basketball for i know it's hard i know the third corner we're going to do today um we'll have you back to talk basketball again it would be this is great this yeah, is maybe great before
1: the nba play
2: yeah maybe that's a good idea um mick sorley's i i'd be remiss if we didn't get to this corner because this is fascinating um Let me just read. It's a little piece of the book. Since it opened in 1854, McSorley's Old Ale House has been a New York institution. This is the landmark watering hole where Abraham Lincoln campaigned Boss Tweed kicked back with the Tammany Hall machine, where a pair of Houdini handcuffs found their final resting place, and where soldiers left behind wishbones before departing for the First World War, never to return and collect them. Many of the bar's traditions remain intact, from newspaper-covered walls to the plates of cheese and raw onions, the sawdust strewn floors, and the tales told by its bartenders. Wow, the history of this place is ridiculous. It's on 15th and 7th, if you're in New York City, right near Cooper Square, which is around Cooper Union. It still looks like it's... I looked at the pictures. still looks like you haven't touched it since 1854. Not one renovation on this thing. (laughs) I mean, it is the quintessential old ale house. Um, How... Has it survived this whole time
0: uh, i mean the the story really boils down to it always being in it, one the owners of the whoever has owned the bar it's turned over six times in history um, and whoever has owned it has has owned the rest of the building along with the bar. so if that weren't the case, then obviously they would you know they would have to deal with rents and landlords and and probably be out in twenty years like like other places you see. In you know, in the city, in twenty minutes, right. obviously, if everything goes well, um,
2: but so none that, of them that, wanted that, to too, renovate it. None of them wanted to renovate it.
0: So, at some point, like the the first articles about McSorley's as a grand old bar, something that reminded people of the old Bowery, uh, the you know, the the place where. And it was still all men until uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) until 1970. Oh, shit. It's one of those places that really reflected old New York. I think we're about 50 years into it. So it would have been, you know, early 1900s. We have those on the wall, uh, clips from the Times and stuff back then, talking about McSorley as an old place. And I think once the bar started to get its reputation basically rely on that, that, that as branding, you know, I don't think, I hope they weren't having to think about branding in 1910, but you know, um, you know, that, that once that became part of the bar's identity, then it became important to preserve it Um, early on. I think it was just about family, like, you know, John McSorley who started the bar um, passed it on to his son and, and made his son promise, made Bill McSorley promise, that he wouldn't serve anything other than light and dark ale he would keep everything the same he was going to, and just happened to be a son who had a strong sense of filial piety and and, and listened to his dad um, and then it became uh, a part of you know what the bar meant and when he sold it to the next owner you know made made him made that made made that buyer promise to keep everything the same and then so every time it changed hands that was that. It was sort of part of the deal. If not, I doubt it was ever written down. But it was understood. And now, you know, you would be crazy to try and change. Like you try and put, uh, a, you know, um, a, you know, start taking credit cards there or change anything about it that the city doesn't make you because it's that's why people come to the bar. Right.
2: right. Yeah. How did your dad get in there? He must have been so young. And was it? You said he drank there. And then one day, one of the guys was like, "Hey, you want a ten bar?"
0: Kinda, yeah. So he was. So he he moved to New York in 1968. Like really, like the day, like the day after. I, I think he graduated college that year in Ohio, and then spent the summer working at a at a at a steel plant in Steubenville. And then, it, like the first chance he got, um, came out to New York. Uh, wound up uh, drinking at McSorley's the first night. Uh, but didn't end up working there till nine, like four years later. And that was because he was living upstairs. He got an apartment above the bar. And then that's always been sort of one of the routes into working there. Um, and at that point in time, it was not, uh, it was owned by more of a New York family. It was an Irish New York family, but one where the, the, the makeup of the, the staff had a, was basically people from the block, people from the area. There were, um, you know, a couple Ukrainian brothers who grew up around there. I mean, Saint George Ukrainian Church is right across the street, like the old, you know, Ukrainian parts of East of the East Village. Um, it was more of it, it wasn't like it, it, you think of it today, where it really almost everyone is sort of a cousin of this main branch of the Marr family from County Kilkenny, um, except for the couple of folks like my dad who, you know, sort of were around since before then and, and, and sort of uh, de facto members of the family. Um, but back, back then you could just sort of be some guy from Ohio and end up working there. Um, huh. and he was, he was, um, he uh, was, he's living upstairs and there was uh, one of his neighbors who was the waiter uh, was really, really drunk one night. And my dad invited him, my, oh, they were both drunk, uh, and my dad drunkenly invited him to a party at his house the next night uh, and then forgot that he ever did that. So that guy showed up at the party, called out of work, you know, skipped his shift, was going to my dad's party, and there was no party. My dad forgot <laughs> about it, and the, the, the bartender downstairs called up my father, and his name is Jeff, but because you know, of my, our last name, they called him Bart, They're like, yo, Bart. You want to come downstairs and work? Doc is out, <laughs> <laughs> and so he basically, you know, sort of uh, bamboozled uh, his, his buddy into into getting his first shift uh, unknowingly, and then <laughs> it, it just sort of snowballed from there.
2: Oh my lord! And what what I read in uh, in my deep dive of Rafe Bartholomew is that this is not an easy job. I mean, the week, the Saturday, Friday Saturday, it's crazy. That's just the middle of the work week, you know, and it's a late it's very late at night it's um you watch this happen i mean he must love it to really because it is a grind no
0: yeah for sure it it absolutely is a grind i think you you know and the people who work there a lot of them you know my father um you know 48 years is sort of in the lead but there you know there are other guys not far behind there are um you know guys who i I still think of as young even though they're in their 50s because i met them when they first started working there (laughs) you know in 1988 you know when i was a child and and hanging around and and they were you know they they had just come over from ireland and stuff um they it it does breed that sort of loyalty i think you know the, the cachet of the place it also is you know it is one of the handful of Sort of old school New York institutions in the restaurant industry or the bar industry where you can make a real career and make a, a decent <laughs> living um, because of, you know, the interest in the place, because it's pretty much always has some business and it's, it's worth sticking around yet. My um, father, there were times where, you know, over the years he, he thought about, um, he thought about becoming a teacher actually, you know, he did, he, between shifts, he was going up to Hunter college. He finished, uh, you know, he finished the master's there, um, but never did his student teaching hours because he would have had to quit working at the bar to do it. And it just came to a point, you know, I was already nine or 10 years Mm -hmm. old and they were sort of like, yeah, you have to come quit your job, work for free for six months. And then, you know, and then make less money than you were making. And he, he just was like, I guess
2: I'm not going to do that. Um, he must not mind the smell of smoke and beer. Um, my two, I mean, <laughs> well, smoke, not smoke. You not. smoke I mean, smoke but you could, but you could for a long time. Yeah, Probably yeah, yeah. He must come home smelling like a an ashtray. I mean, I remember the comedy clubs just going in there for 20 minutes and coming out disgusting. Um, Lucky you didn't get lung cancer, I would guess, just from (laughs) sitting in a tending bar. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean it was gross in there. I mean, especially McSorley's—they used to hand out for free, cheap these awful cheap cigars, and you would get—you know—just think of every kind. Whether it's a a, you know twenty-two-year-old who wants to try a cigar or. Some, you know, I don't know. Something. Think of all any kind of jerk off you can think of who wants to smoke a terrible cigar in McCorley. The they they were in there uh. all the time and he smelled terrible back in those days like <laughs> Yeah. it, it would
2: ugh. it must have been like a cloud when you walked in that room you could see it because it doesn't <laughs> yeah, look like it has any ventilation it's yeah. just that front door well, especially when I mean back in the day back before
1: in the day. before the 70s when it was all men i'm sure it was just a smoke filled
2: yeah place. no ladies until 1970s and it was a fight to let them in apparently and their motto was good ale raw onions and no ladies <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, your I don't motto. I you get a
0: lot of business with that these days,
1: but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! So wait, so speaking of that, like, how is it that it's still there? All these other places are like gone. All these iconic New York bars, right? It just keeps fighting through them. Did, did you do you have a connection? To all those bars, like the Old Town Tavern,
2: uh, Pete's uh, well, Tavern, yeah,
0: all, like Pete's Tavern, Old Town, um, you know, what, what, Cedar
2: Tavern. Know what we was used to, like, yeah, we used to go to Cedar Tavern yeah, a lot, closed. and that closed. Yeah.
0: Who was the guy they did the one out in um one out in Queen's clothes recently a year or two ago right uh, oh man
1: I think I know I think I saw that on TV too yeah
0: but yeah. Then, like like yes there is sort of a there is sort of a community there's also sort of a little bit of rivalry where every once in a while like you know the owner I, I I remember working there I served the owner of Old Town who came in and you know he was Messy, you know, he was, it was kind of, it was good natured, but it was also had an edge where he was like, I can't believe you get so many people to drum in here and drink this, Will. Like, um, they busted
2: each other's balls. Uh, I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm like, well, shit, man, I don't know what to tell you. you know, right? so okay. I will ask them why. You know, invite them, them
1: uptown after they're done here. That's what I wanted to hear. All I wanted right. to hear the smack talk. Wait, All right. is it, Wait. Okay, is it, preser- is it pre- preservation, whatever you do that, when New York landmarks something? Yeah, uh, it's not, it's not been a landmarked. No, it hasn't. Right.
0: No, I don't think it's been efficient. It's been officially landmarked. I forget. The, the, it, uh, I, the. I haven't read up on, on the landmark process as detailed in as much detail as I, maybe I should. But, yeah. uh, I remember like there, isn't there like, I remember reading about it with the strand where like landmarking it was actually going to make it harder to, for the place to survive.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I, re- I saw that special.
2: Um, I want to ask you a couple more before this segment's over. Um, so one of the mottos there as well, other than the, the no onions, no ladies, be good or be gone. So there must that rule probably came in. a bunch of Irish dudes drinking. What could happen? Uh, there must have been some have you seen some crazy fights or your dad must have come home and broken up a couple crazy fights?
0: Yeah, I think I, I heard about it more than I saw it because <laughs> by the time I was working in the bar, it's so strange to say, like at the time I was working in, like the you know the early two thousands, and then like through the like the la- little bit, you know, to, to I guess my last shift would have been uh, New Year's Eve going into twenty fourteen, um, but like the. The, the the city had changed enough the bar's clientele or whatever had changed enough we i, I we rarely saw fights and the fights that we did saw we, we see we laughed at you know we're like <laughs> look at these idiots like this is like you call this a fight do yeah, you even know i don't it was, you know, <laughs> it was, it was usually something that w- w- was not impressive um but the you know with my father working through the 70s and 80s it was much rougher i mean he um he, this was more for his ride home on the bike. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he had he used to carry like one of those illegal batons uh, to like <laughs> wrap people's hands if they tried to like grab his bike as he passed along driving riding home at like two in the morning. Um, but he there and yeah, they used to have to jump over like you know sort of jump over the bar, throw guys out. You know they kind of I think that you the the, the technique described to me was just <laughs> sort of getting behind the entire crowd of fighting guys and push and. Him. Yeah, pushing them, pushing forward to get them out the door, and then you don't almost don't even care what happens. You know, if right. you need to, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great
2: let strategy. Let them die on the street. Yeah, of course, that's yeah. the idea. Get them out of yeah, the room. That's what because you don't that's... want to break anything in the room. Yeah. Um, quick, super quick. Is there are there regulars still like Norm kind of guys? People walk in. Norm.
0: Yeah, there are still. Um, it's 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 almost more of a show. It feels in some ways where <laughs> it's like they. Yeah, you know, they, they, a lot of like these are regulars who are retired and make a point of showing up every day, uh, or, or you know, on certain days of the week because you know because they've been coming all that time. They probably went when they were still working in the city, and and now they 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 still like to do it. Um, there's a couple guys who are they, there are still real regulars, but that the, the core of the business is. Uh, you know, it's tourism right now, or I've right. got hopefully that comes back, right? But,
1: um, yeah, we didn't you know, ask about that. That's what
0: it yeah. had been. That's what you could count on being there, uh, through the weekdays. Is, and what time you can know, you get uh, there people from all over the world?
1: What time can you get there in the morning, like 11 a.m.? What time does yeah, it, it open?
0: It opens at 11. And then boom, um, I'm you know, on the stool. Uh, every day, but Sunday at one o'clock on
2: Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't ask the pandemic. W- I guess uh, I'll we'll we'll skip it. Um, Your dad, is he one of those? Is the bartender job still such a people guy, great listener kind of thing? People always crying to the bartender, he's your shrink. Is that still kind of stuff that goes on?
0: Uh, It is, especially with my father, because, you know, I mean, for he, he may, this might have been less so earlier in his career, but for the past, you know, 20 years probably, or he, he's, you know, he looks the part of a, he's, you know, tall, great handlebar, mustache. Glasses, oh, wow. um, it has like weird leather straps all over his arms to kind of keep them together. Um, he looks, you know, he, he, he looks the part of authority very well. Like like not not bad authority, but like this is this is some this is a guy who's seen some stuff and, and, and knows stuff. Um, and he does like sort of so so he gets it. Uh, he gets it quite a bit, and he's good at it. He likes it. He he, does, yeah. he, he sort of enjoys doing that stuff. Um, McSorley's is also the kind of place where it has this reputation of being like the, the staff is not necessarily going to uh, be hospitable to you. We might, uh, <laughs> but it kind of depends who you get and what mood they're in. And it's not really part of their job. Like right. it's like you're, it's, it's always like the customer, it's, it's the customer's responsibility to continue ordering ale when they're there. And if they don't want it, you know, that's their fault. Not that anyone. So, I mean, I learned early on when I was working, people would come in and complain to me that I wasn't mean to them, that I was too nice to them. They'd say, you know, I brought my, my cousin all the way from Arkansas uh, to get yelled at by an old Irishman. And instead, I'm talking to this 23 year old from New York who, you know, who's being nice to me. What the hell is going oh, on? That's I,
2: funny. You want that's the, funny. I want got that treated. all the time, too. Like, people, I, anywhere, when I worked in the Midwest, they would go, I went to New York once, nothing happened. That was my big joke. Like, what? What do you mean nothing? <laughs> I was like, give me your money. Do you want me to, st- you know, you want me to rob you? It's weird. <laughs> give me one thing about working in a bar that people don't have a clue, and we move on.
0: Oh, man. Um, well, uh, uh, so many things. I guess to me, uh, uh, you know, get, like like having like, some all kinds of weird bodily fluid sprayed in your face while cleaning i mean just like the, <laughs> going into the bathroom after a shift uh, having to work in, i mean the the the, ba- the bathroom there's a on busy shift is a separate uh, there's a separate job yeah. Uh, called the shit house, and your job is to guard the bathroom, clean the bathroom, oh, pick shit. up empties, and just deal with all the disgusting stuff. It's <laughs> sort of the first thing you have to do oh, how you oh, get broken I in. I was gonna and ask it, it you. It lives up to its name.
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you're gonna go back and bartend again, but it's, I guess that you, <laughs> That's have, to the go, answer you that. have to go down to the bottom of the thing again.
0: <laughs> uh, I, look, I mean, for, it depends on how often you have to do it. I don't. Right. I don't really. I, I will do it for a. It's sort of. I, I like being in the bar, so. If they if it were like yeah once in a while you come in and, and do and, and work a shit out shift I I, I wouldn't mind that but um, it isn't that yeah, honestly that's where I would be in the rotation right now nice. doing the door and the shit out. <laughs> shift. Oh,
2: God, I wish I didn't ask. So that. you
0: are going to
1: go back one more time? <laughs> I, are you saying I'm it in, here? If, I'm,
0: if, I'm, if I find myself living in you know I'm living in like right outside of Detroit right now. Yeah, but any yeah. Anytime I'm living back at home. I will probably be working there just because it, it's like it happens. People will call. It'll be like, hey, you know, you're around? We need you. Oh, uh, wow. And, and you know, I don't know. It's sort of, you know, it's coming out of, of the, retirement. In the, in the blood.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming cool. out
2: of retirement. The book is called Two and Two yeah. uh, about McSorley's. And, and it's a PBS. We didn't even yeah, talk about it. Yeah, okay. We'll too much to talk about. Just go, go visit McSorley's. <laughs> go buy the book. Let's move on. All right. The final thing we do uh, we're going to play a game. Called uh, this, that, and the other thing. I'll give you a choice of one of two things or more. Uh, which one would you take? And we're going to do it. The Rafe Bartholomew edition. Usually okay. we just do random things. I but thought we'll, we are
1: going to do a quiz. No, we'll work them in. No, a no quiz. I was a little nervous about a basketball quiz. Against Rafe. Next <laughs> yeah, time we'll do a I, basketball quiz. All okay. right.
2: Um, okay. You're starting a team. Oh, okay. Bird, Magic, Kareem, Jordan, LeBron, oh, Dr. J. Okay. Give me one. Go ahead. You're starting a team. Who are you taking, Neil?
1: Well, I mean, obviously I love Larry Bird. Yeah, so I mean, but I start with Larry Bird. Clearly, you got to take Michael Jordan, or you'll be laughed out off the planet. I,
2: don't, I disagree with that. So I'm going to go. I, I would will, take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Nobody could stop that sky hook. <laughs> no, I would you, not. No. In
1: today's game, he will never get the ball. No one will throw it to him.
2: I think everyone's shooting
1: threes. I will take Michael Jordan far and away. And you'll take. Kareem,
2: I think I'm taking, I'm still taking Kareem. You gotta have a center now. The, the position doesn't even exist. But if I had a center in the, in the playoffs and just slow everything down, just give it a Kareem.
1: Uh, I'll take Jordan and then probably LeBron or Bird. All right, um, Rafe, go. You're,
0: I mean, look, I, I just, to, I, I, I'm not even one of these. I'm not even close to one of the people who le- thinks that um, LeBron is. Greater than Jordan, but I would start my team with LeBron James. Uh, probably
2: Ooh. over Michael Jordan. I was going to say, th- good. I'll ask that too. Everybody talks about will LeBron take, or Jordan. I um, take LeBron I love, over I think, Jordan? Yeah. He's,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, it just if you're starting that team and you're trying to you, – like he's the player who will be able to fit with the most other players. Yeah, he plays okay. five
2: positions if he wants to. Yeah. You know, and it has a freight train. Not I mean Michael Jordan, of course, is the ma- amazing you're not going to he the thing about Jordan to me is his will, you know what I mean mm-hmm. his, his will it's just the the will to win, I think is greater than LeBron by far yeah, but LeBron James is just ridiculously talented in many ways um but that's so he's okay. taking LeBron all right, you're taking LeBron there you go. well, let's do another one. big man Ru- well obviously uh Russell. Bill Russell, Kareem, Moses, Wilt, Shaq. I'll let
1: Rafe go first.
2: Go ahead.
0: Oh, man, that's tough. Um, <laughs> I, I I think, there, look, I don't know if I, this is the right choice, but I would go with Shaq um, because, Ugh. one, I mean, he's really the only player out of those I saw in great, like, like saw his entire career play out. Um, two, I think it, he's been, at t- he's back to being sort of historically underrated uh, it, because people, can't even really conceive at this point of of what uh, – just like how athletic, how explosive he was in like a 350-pound body um, and just like ragdolling Dikembe Mutombo and Matt Geiger and pretty much anyone they'd throw at him. Wow, wait a second. Uh, that's
2: my point right there. They Anybody the That's room. all they had to throw at him, Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> and a stick. <laughs> No, they, from Africa and Matt they Geiger changed the rules. Oh my God! Please, if you put him up against somebody, I of a. I just wanted one guy in his career to be of equivalent Shaq size. Shaq would have done nothing. You know what I mean? Like there was nobody seven three, even close to three hundred pounds. So give me anybody. The
0: closest the closest I mean, and he was one of the better Shaq defenders, even at like that super late stage in his career, was Sabonis when he was playing with the Blazers.
2: Yeah, there you go. And if he was younger, you think Shaq would have had a good time with Venus Sabonis? I don't. I think he I would mean, have
0: been a but young Sabonis was a lot skinnier, yeah. Like that's like like big thick Sabonis came around like after he blew out six Achilles and like yeah, could right. barely move he could, walk. could But at least I would have
2: been <laughs> able to see that matchup of all those guys? No, I'm saying oh. Shaq would have played in an era where it, his yeah. his personal competition was there is no era.
0: There is no era. He's one of a kind, like in history.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm saying if he, what if he played in the same thing as Will Moses? Well, who are you uh, taking, Moses? Who are you Wilt taking? is
0: probably the only per- like physical specimen type who who was who like in terms of strength and size, yeah. kind of is close to that. And yeah, athletic- but I think
2: like a Kareem would have run him up and down the court. It, and Shaq, here's the thing about Shaq, drove me absolutely fucking crazy. <laughs> Ew, he cannot shoot I, outside I didn't four know feet. So down on Shaq. Oh, I hate Shaq. <laughs> I'll say it to his face. I thought he was the most overrated player in the history of basketball. No, he, could, really? he couldn't.
0: This is why Shaq is one of the more underrated players. Oh, in the world. Oh, yeah, wow. exactly. That's what you're saying. Rave, I didn't it know Lenny still, hated Shaq the the like this. He's still
2: out there. Oh, my God. He couldn't shoot outside of four feet. Guy had no game. All he had was big. He couldn't shoot free throws. I'll give you that. He couldn't shoot free throws. All right, <laughs> you, you, they hack a him, got many a team back in the game. Yeah,
1: I, I still, Popovich, that was so mean. The, when they oh did the, the hacker shot. Head. I loved <laughs> it.
2: First quarter, first Oh my god. Seconds. It just it was, showed I that know. this guy can't play basketball. It just, just kind of you mean. gotta be able to shoot. I I can't you you just can't this is an All old right, adage. You, you can't it. teach big, right? You can't. And he was the epitome of you can't teach big. And I can't watch him even to this day. Hmm. How you doing? <laughs> you really, God, you really, hate you uh, I don't hate him. I have his <laughs> autograph. Yeah. Actually, I'm I think know. it's really funny on the NBA <laughs> show. But he it's like, but I've, uh, give Wait, me so eighteen other taking? centers. Um, You're gonna take
1: Kareem. <sighs> I know who I'm taking. I'm gonna surprise both of you with my pick.
2: I would have. I didn't get to see Bill Russell. I really would love to have seen him. You know, just go up against some of these. He was just ahead of his time, but he was only like six nine, mm, right? No, he's
1: like six eleven.
2: No. He wasn't. No,
1: Rafe.
0: They say that he was. Clo- that he is. He's. He, he was sort of closer to six nine. I haven't. Uh, I've have okay. not seen oh, him. That's seen hard it. to believe. But that is like yeah. I, that, I've, that I've heard that before.
2: But he could jump out of the gym, and he was an amazing defender. And you know I love defense. But, I mean, all these guys are so different. Moses Malone was like, he would just get every rebound and put it back in, and he wasn't that tall.
1: Well, he missed a lot, so he got a lot of his own rebounds. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But
2: when the Sixers got him, it was over. All right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still going Kareem, I think, because uh, yeah, the guy that's a is safe just pick. You know why? Because I saw a million guys try to stop that sky hook, no, no and none can. of them could no. stop
1: the sky hook. No, he was great. He's a leading scorer in the, in, right in the history. He's got all those rings. He,
2: what? Could you just tell me why Mo, Milwaukee must have been smoking crack to get rid of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's can,
2: he won everything in college. He gets to the pros. He wins the championship. They're like, nah, we're gonna ship him to the Lakers. Yeah, what? I guess that's just they gave up on him. Idiots, right? It takes him like fifty <laughs> years to get Giannis. <laughs> comp I'm just ready for my pick. Go ahead, go. I'm going off
1: the board. I'm going Ralph Sampson. No,
2: <laughs> why? <what>? Because <laughs> of Virginia.
1: Seven four. <laughs> he's completely. Like Rave said, completely underrated. Oh, this guy was what? Gonna, he was gonna be great, but people were so down on him. He could. He made one <laughs> shot.
2: One <laughs> shot. That turnaround jump. Ralph before Lincoln. your time, right?
0: Basically, yeah, 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 yeah that's what I, mean, I thought. I've seen, you know, I yeah. saw, I've seen highlights from college. I've seen highlights from those early those, those Rockets teams. What, what was the end of his career like? What, what did he, did he have? Some big injury? Yeah, yeah, yeah his he knees hurt.
1: started falling. His body started falling apart. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I named well, uh, we named for, our dog. Ralph. you're kind of like outside of that range of. of uh, of, of, you know, I don't know, human uh, normalcy or whatever. I shouldn't say that. But, like, it's, something always goes wrong with the no, really, really tall. Yeah, he was guys. too he tall. We
1: love Ralph, and Ralph was 7'4", and he was, like, the first – it was the first time, and he drove everybody insane. But – he loved going out and shooting like threes, even though there was no threes there. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I've never ever heard a basketball coach say, "Give me the soft big man." <laughs> exactly, no, soft. He big was man. ahead of his time.
1: Now, no, you don't want a big man that can't shoot a three. It's like what a waste. Soft, like big man. <laughs> he was so soft. He drove people insane. Insane with his. He should have dominated. He, yeah, he should have dominated. The, That's drove,
2: where I'll give you Shaq the thing. Yeah. He had size and he used it. Okay, Ralph Sampson had size and somehow he yeah. played. Small, I'm yeah. not sure. Okay, who, let's go to the next one. Who wins the championship first, Knicks or Nets? Nets. Sorry, I
0: didn't even know if that. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead. Have, that's but good, right? I
2: mean, they sh- they have a team that's locked and loaded right now. Um, I don't know. I have this feeling that they are going to choke. Yeah, I, I
0: mean, I, I'm not picking them to win it this year. I, I mean, I could definitely see that. But that, you know, if they keep the same, you know, if they keep those three guys, you got to have a better chance to, uh, next year if they have a, you know, if they're a little more healthy, a little more uh, used to each other, and can put in a couple more pieces around them. You know, they're going to have, if they, as long as those three players are together, they they will be a championship contender every season for the next three four years. Whereas the Knicks, like. They're, they're cute this year, but they ain't winning nothing, and they're probably going to get worse next year.
2: And yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the Knicks also have the world's worst ownership. Yeah. It's, and it's, wait, when you were working in the bar, like it's an Irish bar, are they rooting for the Celtics or are they just diehard
0: Knicks fans? I mean, you know, only New York teams. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, it, was, I, it was definitely not a Celtics bar. I, I, maybe there are, man. Is there, I, I don't know if I've seen a Celtics bar in New York, but I guess there could be. Uh, there's, there must be somewhere. It's a big enough city.
1: But there's not TVs all over McSworley's.
0: No, it's not a sports bar at all. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. one TV in the back. Like a black uh, and white. you always keep on mute. So <laughs> it's like the game will be on there, but if you're serious about watching the game, it, it's like, I mean, until about five years ago it was just this old tube tv (laughs) that's that's what i thought it was nothing to want to mess with um it's
1: like playing the playing the moon landing
0: (laughs) yeah people coming in and out uh before and after games so you know Uh rangers fans are uh a little bit of a a headache but great for business Uh, you know like they're coming in to 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 drink hard before the game and taking a cab back downtown to drink hard after the game. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the old Big East tournament was like a huge week for us because mm. there would be, you know, Syracuse in there the entire day. Yeah,
1: those people are coming to drink the whole day. The whole day.
2: Um, right, Speaking of which, let's go to the next one. College ball or pro ball? If you had to pick basketball, which one we you pick? And which one? Uh,
1: or we could throw in another one. and Or Filipino. Filipino ball. Which there one, you go. Which one do you take? The With the pro Filipino league? College. I mean, that's pro.
0: what I think. You
2: know? <laughs> uh, I, I, oh, brother! Yeah,
0: just, I, you know, I, I have a. It's, I, I I still know the guys and the coaches in it. It's you know, it's 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 a different sort of experience watching that. Even I'm never going to sit here and tell you that the level of basketball is. is, there, is, is it's not even as good as you know high level college basketball here, uh, but it's it's just, at this point you know it's a it's it, it's, it's, a, it's a special. Is it the best for me? It's is a,
1: it the best league over there? Like a, a China, Japan, Australia? It's, it's, it's a,
0: uh, it's well. Australia is the best league, that uh, is, yeah. uh, you know. If you count that, until recently, they weren't part of like FIBA Asia. They were like Oceania. I don't know, but yeah, Australia has the best league, both because they have just better local players and they have the money to get good, uh, you know, good foreign guys in sports. Um, China has a reputation; they get you know they spend a ton of money on flashy X NBA players to come in and score you know 40, 50 points a game. Right. But other than that, like the league kind of stinks. Like a lot of the coaching is is sort of bad they there right um, but they, they have they have
1: Jimmer for debt
0: they just have they, they a lot of it is just like they hire you know six dudes to run around a a, 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 <laughs> a you know whoever the the foreign star is and let that guy shoot like crazy right uh, that hasn't that's their reputation Korea has a soup that's actually that's probably the league that would be most fun to to jump in. If you don't follow any of these and have no connection, because uh, Korean basketball is sort of like they like their national team, like they're sort of like the the, the Asian Spurs, you know. They are um, like they, they're just great ball movement, great shooting, um, really clever set. You know, really, and they play hard, and they're they and like their their domestic league is like that too. So, and they also league.
1: also making great movies, right? Right now, Korea. There we go. I have to go to have to go to Korea. I'm choosing college basketball. Lenny. You taking college basketball? Yeah, because of March Madness. March Madness. not get enough of more. Yeah, and
2: Virginia. Um, Gina's uh taking college as well. My wife, she likes college. She doesn't like the Showtime aspect of pro ball, but I'm taking pro ball because I watch like Neil. For NBA example, playoffs are crazy. I love NBA The NBA playoffs, playoffs are crazy. i down on the regular season. The NCAAs are great, but, you know, the championship. But watching, I tell Neil every year, watching Virginia play basketball, <laughs> Tony Bennett has somehow taken the fun out of college basketball. And there's so, so many teams like these guys just. It's a different kind of fun. Yeah, it's a different kind of fun. All right, I'm going to do one more. One more real quick. I'm going to McSorley's. What am I having? Wings or the burger?
0: So you're not—that's that, easy because there are no wings. <laughs> I thought
2: they were famous for wings. No. I looked it up. What? I don't think there's food. I thought there. it was
0: famous for wings. There is food. There, there is a kitchen. There, well, we don't serve wings. Um, oh. It's you know the the menu. You know burgers and fries. Uh, recently, just recently, onions. we've started putting in a hot. We've had hot dogs. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Can, sandwiches sandwiches really can you still get onions or whatever? Just a plate, yeah, cheese and, you, know, you know, sharp cheddar cheese, raw onions, and saltine crackers. That's a cheese plate. <laughs> oh, and, plate. That um, sounds so bad. I gotta go get that.
1: <laughs> I, I can't wait to eat that. <laughs>
0: uh, it, you know, it's it's. I don't know people. You know, we still have Liverwurst there. We still have a lot of people who come in because it's a uh, it's one of the few places where they can order a Liverwurst sandwich.
2: Oh, Liverwurst!
0: Uh, so it's, but yeah, no, no wings. Okay. All right, all, all right. right.
2: Well, all right, burger don't, it is. Don't.
0: Don't order the
2: corned beef hash. That is my advice. All right, <laughs> gotcha. All right, and with that, we are through. Wow. Let's, the way we end the show every week is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. I will start since we're on the sports theme. The Yankees suck. Oh my god, they're unwatchable right now. The pitching is brutal. They play every guy's trying to hit a home run. It's just boring. They strike out like crazy. They can't move a runner. It is, they're playing with Ned Odor at second base, who they were begging to get rid of. They gave him away for free. We'll pay his contract. To le- Anytime somebody pays your contract to go play for somebody else, you stink. So he's tortured, but you know what? He's had a couple key hits to even make it respectable. Uh, Yankees torturing me. And Neil's buddy, Clint, redhead frazier <laughs> he who gonna, he should play every day I, line and verse of this guy why is he playing i said i
1: thought he was gonna be good but they, they got in his bust. head and messed him up
2: oh please he messed himself up he's an arrogant right. douche go mine yeah. or rafe go ahead you go
1: uh my good thing is simple i'm going back to the simple times of of i woke up yeah this weekend yeah to barney's green grass or oh, whatever he, you got yourself a bagel got a Thirty dollar, <laughs> twenty five dollar bagel with cream cheese and locks. You're
2: and so like, lazy. Put it together yourself. To get a get bagel that. on the I corner, was two Anthony. feet away. Wait a second. No. Go to no. the, go get the I Nova from no. from just, Zabar's. Now it's
1: better. Anthony Bourdain went there. I'm into the. I'm in that that mode. I'm eating it. <laughs> I'm having a good morning. I had two hours of
2: of me connecting that Anthony and probably drank like another <laughs> 10 gallons of water. The and then, yeah, the I
1: was like, this pandemic is not too bad.
2: Oh boy. All right, right Rave, one good thing or one bad thing of the week.
0: <laughs> good thing going out to pick a bagel, just getting it. No, uh, <laughs>
2: keep it simple, Rave. Uh,
0: for me, uh, good. I'm a real good thing. Also, I, I, uh, I, it's going to be, I'm going to be able to play basketball again, too. Um, you know, I'm all, I almost, I'm almost fully vaccinated. I, uh, I haven't, this is the longest in my life I've ever not played because you know, the pandemic, I actually, in a game, like I played in a game in a men's league the week before everything shut down and had the first like bad, uh, I don't know, like, like calf muscle injury of my life. So that, Shut me down, and, and and so basically, I haven't played at all in, in over a year. Wow, and uh, I man, you know, spring is here, uh, it's gonna be like 80 degrees today. Yeah, yeah, I've been shoveling snow for a long time, and <laughs> it just feels like you know, I'm looking forward to, to just getting some shots up again soon. I,
2: I love it. All right, well, thanks for doing this, Rafe Bartholomew. Wow, lots of we covered a lot. Your website is www.rafebartholomew.com. The, uh, Twitter is at Rafe Boogs, uh, and okay. Instagram is, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> at Pang.
0: It's, it's uh, <laughs> Tio means like uh, uncle, basically Uncle Rafe, um, although it's also like a dirty joke. The, uh, <laughs> the team that I was playing, that, that, that I'm playing with, the team that I followed for the book in the Philippines, um, they, so my, you know, my full name is Rafael, uh. and Uh, when they found that out on the team, the guys were like, oh, Rafael. And the short form of um, Rafael in the Philippines is paeng. So, uh, and then when you combine that with the word for uncle, which is like tío or cho, uh, it sounds like chupaeng, which is kind of the same sound as the word for, um, like, uh, to give a blowjob. So... (laughs) I oh, probably should have chosen that, but
1: now it is uh, now. Now people expect it. people like people. I go back to like, oh, I do my I don't know what you're gonna see on that Instagram. You gotta laugh every time. Yeah,
2: I don't know what you're gonna see on that Instagram, but it should be interesting. Yeah. As Rafe is. Oh, and go buy his books. They're amazing. Go buy his books: Basketball Love Story and Two and Two. The McSorley's one. Uh, you got to come to town and have us come with you so we can uh, feel like we can walk into that bar as big shots and have a burger. Uh,
0: I'll definitely get you guys a free uh, cheese plate. Woo! <laughs> Ooh,
2: Ray, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Ray. And yep, thank you all. we'll see you guys all next week. four corners podcast was created hosted produced and engineered by me lenny marcus executive producers matt kleinschmidt and robert kelly for the laugh button podcast